0: This is the funeral
1: song? This is the death song? of course. Someone has to bite the dust in order for the funeral to happen. Folks,
0: we are nearing the end of our death show, and I can think of no one better than to bring on the one and only comedian, actor, writer, TV, radio host, and so many other things, the Queen of Collagen, Carla Collins. Hello, Carla. How you
2: doing? (laughs) I love to close for death and be introduced that way. <laughs> I'm already just all a jingle.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I want to introduce the rest of us to our listening audience. That other male voice is our very good friend, Tim the Tool. Hello. And on my left, Linda Stewart. Linda is the, um, the founder of the Toronto Death Cafe. I think you should go and uh, do a routine there, Carla.
2: Absolutely.
0: Carla, speaking of routines, tell us a little bit about this uh, latest shtick of yours.
2: I guess my latest shtick uh, is called Laugh After Death. Um, previously was calling it Fifty Shades of Grief, but now I'm moving to Laugh After Death. And uh, um, You know, you, I think as a comedian, you tend to write and talk about what's happening in your life. And then unfortunately, about a year ago, my mother passed away very unexpectedly. She came to all my shows. We were best friends. She was my soulmate, love of my life. And so I kind of do wish that this show as an homage to her because people say ridiculous things and act stupidly when someone close to you dies, and I found a lot of humor in death, so I'm kind of like the Grin Reaper now.
0: Okay, be funny right now. Be funny about death. Say something funny about death right now. Ready, set, go.
2: Uh, when people die uh, that are close to you, other people will bring you over food from the 1970s. (laughs) You were given um, a chicken pot pie, two tuna casseroles, and a cheese log. It looked like Jack Tripper and Christy Snow were having the partridges over for potluck. I don't... I guess because it's comfort food, I haven't really figured that one out. And also, no one wants to say, sorry for your loss, here's a kale salad. Haven't I suffered enough? (laughs) So, so that's one thing I observed that was surprising to me. That
0: is so funny. You know, I... uh, Actually, this is why I dig this so much. Uh, because growing up in the funeral industry and having been a pastor and a hospital chaplain and been around death my entire life, I I also pick up on these things. And I ju- it is kind of there's a social phenomena about how 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 socially retarded people get when it comes to death. And that's what you're in picking Western, up
2: on in Western civilization. Yeah, people don't know what to say. They, they compete with you, like when I said, you know, my mother passed away, I found people like, oh, that's nothing last year, I lost both parents, the chihuahua, a gardener, two uncles, and then, what? Okay. What are we on, a Japanese game show? Okay. Good. Well, I'm sorry for being such a wuss about this, I just had the one death, and he clearly had whole that's, village slaughtered. That's so, so right.
0: true, so true, oh my goodness. How about, the, how about the, the receiving line? Did you have any gems that people said to you in the in the condolence line?
2: Well, you know, my mom did not want it. She wanted nothing to do with a traditional funeral. This is what a goddess she was. She wanted a celebration of life. She put that in her will about 12 years ago. I was the so we had a celebration of life. She wanted people drinking and dancing and telling funny stories, so that's what we had. Now, you know, her closest friend did tell a couple of questionable stories, (laughs) and the first one was, like, really graphic about me and what a guy said to my mom because he mistook her for me. And I was like, "Well, I don't know why I got into this." And the next one was about my mom relieving herself once in Paris because she just was laughing so hard. And then he said, "I just want to close with." And I thought, "This is making me nervous." (laughs) What? Uh, So, but no, I didn't. There was no. You know what? Oddly enough, I, I was expecting just the Hunger Games and people being, you know, drunk or stupid. But no, nothing happened there.
0: You know you really are uh, i guess in in many ways uh, releasing a bit of societal pressure by by doing this uh, this this routine of yours because I think we, we all we all innately understand the goofiness of of the social phenomena you know uh, of death and, and, and our reactions and our poor reactions and our and the things we think when we normally wouldn 't think that anyway, and all of a sudden we give permission to ourselves to think silly things during those days so I think you're actually doing a service for society once, for once in your life, Carla. This is this is very well done. Good for you.
2: Took my, you know what? She was always my best feature. Took her death to get me to step up and do anything productive in this world. <laughs> but you know, probably just for a brief time. Cause I don't really care. No, exactly. Um, I, it's a, it's a, you know n- nobody talks about it, but I, I also I really like dark humor. It's so slimming. And I like, uh, I like it. I don't think any, I don't think any topics out of bounds. I like, I think it takes the power and fear out of it. So I am also a fan of inappropriate humor. So this was, and again, I think you tend to talk about what you're going through. I don't really want to write a joke about the Kardashians. Well, I'm thinking about is people saying stupid things like, did you lose weight? No, I lost, you know, I'm suicidal. I lost the greatest person in my life and I just can't stop eating in moderation. What are you even saying? (laughs) We well, went uh, through the night like a baby. so have you, yeah.
0: have you thought about uh, participating in uh, Death on the Fringe, the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh? Have you heard of that? No. Yeah, you, you, exactly. totally, you, need to, you need to apply for this. Death on the Fringe is a series of shows and events looking at death and dying, which takes place during the Edinburgh Festival each year, a festival within a festival. So some events are serious, some are comical. Sounds like I'm doing a plug here. But they all make you think about what it means to live well and die well. It's part of the ongoing charity-led campaign, Good Life, Good Death, Good Grief. I think you should be a headliner there.
2: Absolutely. I would, you know, that's the good grief is something that I really thought about, that, like, coming back on the plane when Mom passed away. And I was like, there is no such thing as good grief. And then I remembered it came from Charlie Brown, who was like a depressed, jazz-loving eight-year-old who wore the same shirt every day. Because you don't really think about that, that expression until it happens, and then you just start to dissect everything. But I, heck yeah, I'm going to the fringe.
0: That's good. I would like to see you there. Okay, let's get into a couple of our topics here. Uh, Folks, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca, and we're live right here in Southern Ontario. Enjoy 1250. Uh, The pub crawl. We are going to crack open a few topics. Crawl from topic to topic, indeed. And the first one is this. Basically, why are we so afraid of death? Uh, So let me just start off with, with Linda. Linda, are you actually afraid of death or dying? Would you say you are or no? No. Not at all?
3: Uh. Not yet.
0: <laughs> okay. Wait till the end of the show. We'll, we'll get you there. Um, yeah, and Carla, are you afraid of death or dying yourself?
2: I think we were afraid of death because we're racist and the Grim Reaper wears a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> we got You see him and you start getting nervous. That's
0: yeah, the Unabomber in some ways. Um Yeah, well, okay, so let's, I mean, the barrage of questions that come after this, you know, would you like to be cremated or buried in a casket? Would you like a traditional funeral? Would you rather use the services of Iwantafunfuneral.com? Some feel that death is a taboo subject and still prefer the black clothes in the morning, the religious rituals, and the cultural traditions. Is that such a bad thing? Now, Linda, I know you have an opinion on this because I've heard you talk about this. Um, There are people like Carla and her mom who want to fun things up, and there are those that still want to kind of macabre... You know uh, Orson Welles production. Uh, wh- where where are you at with this? I,
3: I have I have sometimes I have issue with the term celebration of life because I get concerned that people will take that out of the context of the ritual and ceremony that can be part of a meaningful um, funeral, mm-hmm. and they just go straight for the party, you know. Uh, Uncle John really liked to hang out at the pub on Friday nights, so we'll just go there and we'll all get drunk and, and we'll, we'll tell stories about him. And I get, I get a little concerned that people might miss some of the, um, some of the important steps that, that could be helpful. But is,
0: so is that not another way to push grief away?
3: We, th- we party our way through it. I think it is. I think it is. So you're
0: saying, I think uh, while I agree with celebrating someone's life yes. and not being just so dark about the whole thing, yeah. that the, the risk is that if you if you just party your way through it, you are not processing yes. uh, all aspects of grief, which is a healthy thing. Carla, you, you guys sounded like you partied your way through it.
2: I, I actually, there was no partying. I, I mean, that's the other thing I think I don't think we should confuse the two. I don't know what the necessary steps are, but if it involves a rabbi or a priest mispronouncing my mother's name, I don't think I have to go through that. I don't think it's some Paul Bears, a ridiculous Amish wardrobe. I don't think I mean mis- I don't think you process grief. Everybody processes it differently, and it's like this crazy, you know, perfect storm. But uh, there was no partying, and I don't, I, I don't think you should p- take a fistful of pills and, yeah, then you would miss things, but celebrating someone's life, ma- there are some beautiful Buddhist rituals. I think you should do it. Yeah, I, I'd much rather have a celebration of life. Crying and laughing are both releases. They're very close to each other, so hmm. I don't understand why we need to do the macabre thing. I think it's hysterical, and I think it's really primitive, but that's just my opinion. I, I look at it and think, how come we didn't evolve in this area?
3: I, I don't. Weird. I don't think there's a magic uh, potion that works for everybody. I think it comes down to doing something that that's authentic. To you know, okay. in your case, to your mother. Uh, you know, certainly, if if you if someone's died who who never who never told a joke in their <coughs> life and never laughed, and you wouldn't want to have a funny funeral. I mean, that wouldn't. I'm, uh, I'm kind of glad work.
2: they're dead too. <laughs>
3: <I don't know. laughs> they've never if they've never laughed
2: in their life, it must have been torture for them here. I feel there's definitely somewhere better. Tim,
0: you grew up with a dad who was a doctor. I grew yes. up with a dad who was a who was a funeral director. Yep. Uh, so there would be a good dose of reality in both our lives with this subject. Are you afraid of death?
1: No, no. I've
0: I've actually. Because of the Jesus stuff going on Well, with
1: I, I don't know if it's necessarily because of the Jesus stuff. I'm sure that's an aspect of it. But I, I have sort of faced my own death at one point. You know I was yeah. really sick at one point. And I was diagnosed with what they thought was a brain tumor. So I've kind of dealt with that. And for me, it's I think like a lot of people here right now, it's not necessarily death I'm afraid of. It's, it's how. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big that's dying. to me the biggest thing: is how I am going to die,
0: right? So, but you you got a God thing going on, so you are not afraid of what if this
1: is it. Well, I I believe it's it. There is more, and, right? And but like you always say, you know, doubt's better with faith than anything else, and so there is always. I don't that think question. I've ever said it that what way. It, you, what did you say? Doubt then? is more compatible
0: with faith than certainty.
1: Well, I said it better. So, um <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> but you know, like with my dad, it was it was one of those things. You know, he he was always very honest and open about it with his patients. He, unlike a lot of other doctors during his time um, they sort of tiptoed around it and he just went right to the point because why should I belay anything I you know these people need to start dealing with it accepting it you know whatever, living with death so to speak uh, right now and that was one of the things I know a lot of his patients appreciated about him and one of the things I really respected about him at our home that we you know you know just don't pull no punches this is reality let's deal with it however you need to
0: Carla where where were you when your mom died
2: well, I guess if I go for the exact time, I was in the pool at our complex in Los Angeles in Malibu, and my mom had gotten, I mean, we spoke the night before, my mom and I talked every day, sometimes more than once, and she had gotten up, gotten ready to go for brunch with my cousins and didn't show up at brunch. Wow. And she, put her, she just put her head down and, and went. So, and I guess what freaked me out is we are so connected. And I'm very spiritual, or I was. Right now I'm like doing the, you know, I'm like every angry white woman. I'm not really talking to God. He's got to figure out what's wrong. When he says, how are you, I'm just like, oh, I'm fine. It out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, my thing was I can't believe I didn't feel anything because we were so connected throughout my life. Mom would call when I was at university at 3 a.m. and say, what's wrong? I would do the same with her. <laughs> Thought we were really kindred spirits, but I was nothing. I was having a great time in the pool, reading a great book on a Sunday. And so somebody explained to me because maybe she had, you know, she didn't suffer. Maybe she was just as shocked when she woke up on the other side, or where, you know, Narnia, or wherever. (laughs) um, I too believe there's something else. I'm not entirely sure what. Uh, But uh, so I, you know, I and I took a little bit of comfort in that because I was shocked that I, I absolutely, I had no heads up. No. So um, I like to think it's because she was like, what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And and did, so. did
0: someone, obviously someone phoned you to tell you? Who who made that call?
2: No, <laughs> uh, um, no my, um, one of my, another cousin from St. Marie, actually, okay. said your mom didn't show up to, you know, with, with one of, again, it was a family member. They've gone to the house, and I knew, and it was, in, in fact, I phoned my ex-husband, because we we're still very close, and uh, he's a former cop, and I couldn't get a hold of anybody in her building, and I said, John, can you go over there immediately? He did. My my very good friend and publicist jumped in the cab. Was a young guy, and I said, "Listen, sweetie, you know it's kind of new to my life." I said, "I don't know what you're walking into." And then sent so, so it was uh, my ex wow. and, wow. and the Toronto Police. Yeah.
0: Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we. I didn't say we we're going to talk about this, but the whole paradigm of you know which is the better death, right? I mean, uh, the the quicker death for the person is probably better, but sucks for those who are left behind and shocked. And the uh, I, I'm, "I've been dying for two years" thing is horrible for the person, but gives everyone else a chance to adjust. Is there? Are there any other nuances to that? Do you think, Linda? Do you think is that as cut and dried as that?
3: Two weeks is what I'd like. Two
0: weeks. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> two weeks is
3: enough time to okay. yeah. write to write all those important letters yeah, and pay the uh, bills. Yeah, just. Uh, yeah, two weeks would be good. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, Carla, you said to me on the phone that you thought, that, I mean, how do you say this? What are the words, you know, the the perk behind how she went was was how she
2: went? Oh, I said if you could buy a desk for the person you love most on this in this world, yeah. of course. I, I think there'll be a lot of currency to that and a little, you know, maybe down the line. Uh, you're in shock. I don't have any regrets. Look, I left it all on the field with my mom, as I said that maybe. It's the one thing I did right. mm So I didn't, there was nothing left unsaid. With everybody I love, I am conversations with I love you. There was nothing my mom and I had to say to each other. So I don't have the big regret of, of course, maybe you want. I I, I would rather not have a heads up, because that's just a selfish thing. We want a heads up. But I'd much rather the person, like the animals in my life. I don't want want anyone I love to suffer. And um, so that was a a pretty cool, I'd like to be all dressed up for brunch. She's an elegant lady. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess in that way. That was great, and I was hoping the shock would last another 50 years. The problem is, with a death like that, the shock helps you for a while, and that's kind of worn off now, so that sort of sucks.
0: You know, you mentioned the, uh, I can't remember the words, something about an angry white woman, you know, doing a silent treatment with
2: God. Passive uh, aggressive white woman, yes. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but spiritually, I think that death is, well, didn't C.S. Lewis say something like, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf death world? world? Yeah. So you know the, the the processing of the of this extreme loss is something that makes us react spiritually. We all react differently, I think. Has this impacted you at all? because you, know, like, you know you've done shticks I keep saying shikhs. You've done. You've talked about all you know, the you know the spiritual. Uh, you know, you live in California and the Kabbalah jokes and whatever else. But what's going on yeah. with you spiritually? I don't know anything about you spiritually, Carla Collins.
2: We did an entire show where you know everything about me spiritually. You just didn't retain it.
0: I just want no. I just um, want you to say it again. That was my...
2: I, know. <laughs> I uh, You know, I'm, I'm not... Uh, well, this is always a, probably a risk on your show, but the great thing about my mom dying is I don't care now what you think of me. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> the uh i've not i've never been a fan of organized religion because religion you know very intolerant this doesn't include all the people in my life and reason for so many wars and more importantly the word organized cuz my room looks like libya so i'm not with either one of those words and um but i've always considered myself very spiritual i've always believed in god i very open to you know i, I think there's something else i think we're naive to think it's just us and that was always a, a very huge part of my life. Hmm. You know, I, and I used to joke, you know, like from yoga, and yeah, I'd like to have explored and, and studied a lot of religions, but I don't know if it's God or the universe or Bono or some just source. <laughs> and um, and this has actually questioned it quite a bit. I, you know, it, it's, I think for a lot of people it's a great insurance policy because you are like, hey, there's God. Right now mine's a little bit in limbo because I'm obviously grieving, yeah. Um, I really you know everybody's like you know like a, a, a dragonfly or hummingbird goes by they're like look it's a message from your mom I'm like no animals love me I want <laughs> I want a like full on like I want a glass of wine to pour itself somebody buys my sitcom there's a brunette anchor on Fox give me a real song It's <laughs> <laughs> not my mom <laughs> so and, I'm, and I have to tell you like a disappointed six year old I I thought I would get something more you know i thought mom will die but then i'll feel her and there'll be all these because i've had a lot of i think i told you about in my childhood i've had a lot of things that i consider miracles and evidence of a supreme being and now just nothing Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah, but hold on don't Don't you
0: aren't you forced to really hang on to something now because the hope is that you're going to see your mom again if you ditch all the spiritual god stuff now you're never going to see your mom again because there's nothing afterwards so now you really got to hang on to it
2: no, I don't. That's disingenuine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not doing it like, as I said, I don't want some kind of weird... I've never gone for the whole fear-based or anger. Like, you know, I told you how when I watched The Ten Commandments as an adult, I'm like, why is God such an angry drag queen in this depiction? I don't
1: think that's how it works.
2: <laughs> um, of course, I like to... And of, of course, I still completely believe, but like I said, there, it's, it's just in flux and in question, and you're angry, and it's part of the grief. You're angry and upset, and you do I do want to sign, mm-hmm. And I think I'll be elated when I really feel, and I'm sure she still talks to me. And you know, I also think I have I'm t- holding on to it too tight, guys. I think it's pretty natural. and it'll you know as time goes on, or if I you know you have to when you want something, it's like, when you want a guy to call, come on, And then when you're like, oh, I'm not that into him anymore. He stalked you. I'm hoping
0: it's the same thing. So right now, just trying to ignore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Carla, um, should death be part of the primary school curriculum? You know, when is the right age to begin preparing children for death? Uh, parents certainly seem to be freaking out over Ontario's uh, new sex ed curriculum. But is the subject of death even more taboo than sex? Because at least they're talking about sex, whereas they're not talking about death in the public schools. So do you think it would do a child irrevocable harm to explain to them that everyone dies, including that kid? <laughs> or can we learn from other cultures who don't shelter their children from the inevitability of death? What say you, Carla Collins?
2: I've got a great idea for a new children's book. Everybody dies in poops. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally all the way oh, no. So I think uh, I, of course, would say, again, because I think culturally, it's, it's odd to me, first of all, that Canada's having trouble with talking about sex or death in the schools when every Adam McGowan and Cronenberg movie are about that. So I feel the rest of the world thinks we're a lot more evolved than we are. Okay. I'm all for t- Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously it has to be handled well. Um, but, yeah, I think we should definitely uh, open up a conversation about it. I don't think it has to be horribly macabre and like, well, we're all gonna die. By the way, tomorrow, uh, schoolhouse rock. So <laughs> we you know um, yeah. I guess, like, like what does the fox say? The fox says you're all going to die. Again, it would have to be handled. Well. <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think it should be broached. Absolutely, of course. Everybody else does it throughout the world.
0: You know, I had someone write in who said uh, I was seven when my mom uh, passed away. Uh, the only memory I have of her is looking at her dead body in the casket. It has affected me for the last forty years. To this day, I wow. still refuse to look at dead bodies at funerals. Is it really necessary to introduce a seven-year-old to a uh, seven-year-old child to a corpse? I'm not thinking that that needs to be part of the curriculum. Hey kids, no. let's go to a funeral home or bring a body to school day.
2: That's a horrible <laughs> field trip and really bad show and tell. glad <laughs> It Look is, at Aunt Gladys. <laughs> <Put the laughs> <lipstick on. laughs> uh, Linda.
3: You know, this question, this question reminds me of, um, of a funeral that I was involved in with a little, little girl. She was three and a half when she died. She was two and a half when she was diagnosed. So I worked with her family for over a year in planning and, the parents of this little girl, her name was Stella, were adamant that all of Stella's little friends from daycare be made welcome to this to this funeral. Yep. Now it was uh, we had a little area set up for the kids. It was a little a little uh, play zone area with with crayons and coloring books. But they but they clearly understood that they were there because Stella died, and they were there to say goodbye to Stella. And while they weren't part of the so much part of the formal ceremony, because to make a three-year-old sit for an hour would be difficult, mm-hmm. but they were very much there to participate, and um, that was probably, for these children, their first um, exposure You death.
0: see, you know, the only thing I can compare this to is growing up in the funeral home. Growing up, like, when I, I there are stories told of me, uh, re- when I was a young kid, reaching up into the casket, finding the rosary, snapping it off the corpse, and then running from the guys in the funeral home playing hide-and-go-seek, and they needed to get the thing back before the family showed up, nice. right? <laughs> you <laughs> So, or going, you know, I'm going to get my ball hockey equipment, having to go either outside into the garage to get it, but it was too cold, so I walked through the embalming room, and I remember staying in the embalming room at about eight years old, staring at the bodies, and I swear one of them looked, turned its head, and looked at me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, did you ever use one of the body bodies for a goalie? Yes, yes. This is it was, awesome. That really, I wouldn't have needed
2: seventy-two imaginary friends if I had like a whole <laughs> room full of them. Great crowd too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so that I mean, that's that's my paradigm, right? That, and so I, growing up in it, like I just don't lose my nut at at, at funerals, and I'm not. And an, when I'm when I'm working with a family or partner, partner, working with a family sounds so callous, but you know, as a chaplain, when I'm when I'm journeying with a family during this this horrible. I mean, I still cry. I'm not a complete corpse, um, but I. Yeah, I think it's been healthy for me to,
1: to grow up in it. Tim? Well, as an educator. Oh, brother. Um, no, I think one of the things that I mentioned my parents before, one of the, the, the great lessons I've learned as, now is from them for a parent and as a teacher is that, you know, honesty and transparency is so important. You know, not trying to equate death with this, but one of the things my parents did early in life is they exposed us to alcohol. Like when we, when we were young kids, like we could have a sip of wine. And, you know, a sip of my dad's beer, a sip of his rum and coke. And so what happened is when we got older, it wasn't a temptation. It wasn't something that freaked us out because we understood it. Sure. It's like booze in Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Um, no, I mean, topless was no, you're yeah, exactly, not so exactly. wigged out about it. Well, anyway. which, so when I got there, I got wigged out about it because we live in North America. And right. We got to, you know, keep them hidden, which is such a sad thing. Okay. But I think, you know, it's important. And it's not when you teach people about sex that they're going to have sex. You know, it's not when you're teaching somebody about homosexuality, they're going to become a homosexual, or they're going to do particular sex acts. You're educating them so they can make better decisions. Right. And when it comes to death and stuff like that, expose them, help them to understand. So when it becomes something you have to deal with, you're just better prepared. I think it's ridiculous that this would even be a question in people's mm-hmm. minds. Carla, final word, final word. Uh,
2: I was just thinking that I think it would be so much better for to learn about death, with your parents and a and wonderful educator then just everybody's just basically the goldfish is found floating because they're like the snapchat of animal kingdom <laughs> they only last about 20 seconds and everybody learned about death through a goldfish and then they got put in the uh, toilet and then you think oh my god i'm gonna die and be flushed
1: Yep. this yep. is a
2: horrible deal <laughs> i think it's I, again i think that you can't it can't hurt and it can only you know provide healing to have uh, humor and death and when you think about even the linguistics of Killing on stage or dying, or I, I think they were meant to be. It's a good marriage. It'll be one of my seven marriages, Drew. And then we just have to figure out who has custody of the goldfish in the college.
0: Wait, hold on, on a fine. second. Are you and uh, Zorro Junior not uh,
2: together anymore? No, of course we are. I'm okay. just t- betraying myself the way that you. <laughs> I, I find if you're not going to be bogged down by facts about my life, why should I? Be? <laughs> No, I got a little excited <laughs>
0: about... Never mind, I'm no, sorry. Um, on the market. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Tim, you have something you want
1: to say? I quote, you know, oh, Carla's obviously a comedian, and you probably appreciate this. Charlie Chaplin, one of the great ones, said that to truly laugh, you must be able to take your pain and play with it. And that's what mm-hmm. Carla's doing, that's in what her, she's doing in her
2: act. If you go to my website, carlacollins.com, you'll find out the next time I'm in Toronto, and I think you'd really enjoy it.
0: I like you. Thank you, Carla.
2: <laughs> I like you too, Drew. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Bye-bye. Carla Collins on the Drew Marshall Show. That was the pub crawl. And here is a little throwback to... What did she say again about uh, Charlie Brown? Charlie
1: Brown, the, the kid who dressed the same all the time and the was likes depressed. Who jazz music and, and depressed. Likes, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love this song. And this is... Can you do the Snoopy dance? Ready? I can't. This is how they dance. This is how all the kids on Charlie Brown, uh, when this song goes, play it nice and loud so I can dance with it. I gotta have luck.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Head bopping back and forth good thing to do on radio yeah definitely definitely
0: short break when we come back our final segment on our death show and hmm, wow changing gears a lot paul moore will be joining us he is 36 years old he has two beautiful girls wife his two girls are both on the autism spectrum and paul was diagnosed with kidney cancer basically a few months ago and uh in august just this past august he was told he just had a, has a few months to live so yeah i, I kind of thought well you can't you can't really do a show on death without talking to someone who's
1: facing death that's up next